listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. Devin, I'm going right from starvation heights into food. You are I'm hungry. A, you're a woman of extremes. It's all or nothing yes. with you. Yes, it is. That's <laughs> sadly kind of how I roll. But yeah, all that hungry, you yeah. know, tomato broth Ugh. shit was just too much for me in a place with as much good food as the Northwest. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Talk about it. I'll talk about food all the time, but especially after know, starvation right? heights. This started out as like, I'm going to do an episode about Northwest cuisine. And I think at this point, I'm going to have to break it down by state oh, because yes. there's so much weird shit by state. But don't worry, folks, I'm psyched. And it's not, I have to like cover some of what is the Northwest for the Northwest cuisine aspect of it. Okay. And then we'll get into some specific, very strange stuff. Well, so I looked into, like, what characterizes Northwest cuisine, and it's not like more East Coast stuff where there's, like, low country cuisine and New Orleans Cajun cuisine and okay. stuff. Like, we don't have as many signature dishes, yeah. although... I would like to explore if you think there is a signature dish for the Northwest. But what really, what chefs seem to say across the board is it's that the ingredients we have are very distinctive and very high quality. Okay. So many farmers markets, so much good agriculture, mm -hmm. more mushrooms. So stuff that you see a lot in Northwest cuisine, if somebody's doing like a Northwest inspired dish or is on a show and saying, you know, I'm doing Northwest stuff. Obviously, salmon, which we'll talk about more, shellfish, yeah. seafood, game, like elk and caribou mm -hmm. and moose, wild mushrooms, berries, fruits, potatoes, even some wild plants like um, fiddlehead ferns right. and stuff like that. I've eaten those. Yeah. How are they? I ate them raw. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> this was like out. when you said you didn't like butternut squash because you came into the kitchen while I was chopping some up and picked it up like it was a mango. It looked like a mango, which I don't like either, so I don't know why I wanted to eat it. But, well, you know, when you eat them raw, they taste like grass. So it's I bet they do. It's okay, but apparently your stomach can't really break down that cellulose very well, so you're supposed to lightly steam fiddlehead ferns. Did it give I, you the butt problems? I didn't eat enough to have any kind of problems other than feeling slightly cowish for sure. a few hours. Um, yeah, I, have, like, I wish I had three more stomachs. I really, really want to do that chamber digestion that I've heard so much about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have so many foraging in the Pacific Northwest books. Well, so many. I've got two foraging in the P&W books. And because of that, <laughs> I think that I'm safe to eat anything I find out in the wilds. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which means I'm a danger to everyone around me. That's what happened to Christopher McCandless, Devin. <laughs> what happened to Christopher McCandless was that he was a narcissistic, privileged asshole who thought that somehow reading Thoreau once at 22 was enough for him to be able to survive in the wilds of Alaska for months. And then by the time he realized, like, mm, maybe I'm not God, maybe I don't know everything, he was too fucking weak because he had berry shits for months to do anything about it. Sorry, Christopher McCandless, you were a fool, and you died foolishly. There was nothing heroic about your back-to-nature kumbaya bullshit. Devin just went the fuck in. I fucking hate Christopher McCandless. Into the Wild is a great book. John Krakauer always mm -hmm. does an amazing job, but we had to have a pros and cons debate in English 201 once about was he a hero or a fool, and I was the only person in that class that said he was a fool, and I stand by that assertion. He was not a modern folk hero. He was not a modern trailblazer who was eschewing the corporate greed, and no, he was just an asshole. I feel bad because I think he was probably mentally ill, and that's not his fault, but the parts of him he could control, the asshole parts, he Totally exploited those to go do some bullshit. Oh, fuck. He should have been eaten by a grizzly. That would have made me feel a little better. <laughs> oh, my God. I just watched the movie of that. Day, right? <laughs> I haven't it was seen on it. <laughs> Netflix or something. And mostly I was yeah. just curious to see, like, how do you adapt a story like that? And basically <laughs> yeah. they just filled in a ton of other stuff where he's wandering around with other people. Oh, my and God. Okay. Then he, then he starves to death in a bus. Yep. Yep. Like you do. Like and you do. I think it, it came across that I was like, okay, there were some really beautiful shots of Alaska in there. Mm -hmm. And there were definitely some moments when I was like, if I could see that as he in this movie is able to see it, 
mm-hmm. then that would be really great to just be like, I can see for hundreds of miles in every direction yeah. and there's nothing of humans around. And that's yeah. cool, but it's not worth dying for. And no. it was unnecessary, I guess, is my big feeling. Is like the reason he couldn't get back to where he started is because when the snow melts, the river gets higher. And I'm like, right. was it your first day around rivers, my bro? Right. It absolutely was. He was a privileged East Coast person and he just totally went off to Alaska not knowing bullshit about bullshit. He didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. He didn't know his elbow from his nose. He knew nothing about rivers, probably very little about buses, and obviously nothing about what kind of berries you should and shouldn't eat. We keep calling him an asshole. Was like was he a jerk to people or was he just oblivious? I think he was an asshole. I think he was a jerk to, I mean, in Krakauer's book, it talks about like, yeah, he had kind of a moral difference of opinion with his father. But because of that, as far as we can tell from his journals and letters, he just went, fuck everyone on that side of the family, except for one sister who I'll write a letter to. And then like, decided that this one break with his dad was enough that he couldn't be friends with anybody in his family. He didn't give them the courtesy of saying, like, peace out, I'm going to go live in the wilds, or anything. He just he just bounced, didn't let them know what was happening. And then when he gets to Alaska, he's got his car that he apparently loved and treated like a baby forever and had nursed it through countless road trips and whatever. And it breaks down and he writes this really mean note about his car that's like, if you can get this piece of shit to work again, you can have it and left it in the glove box. And I'm like, what? what why are you being mean to this car? It called your dumb smelly ass 4,000 miles at once on this one trip, it just felt like he he underwent this total break where he went from, like, an idealistic, kind of standoffish young man to someone who was just a dick. I can kind of feel that imputation of, like, I've definitely met people who have this very zen vibe until you, like, leave your dishes in the sink <laughs> and then you're dead to them. yes. And you're like, okay, I understand we all sometimes don't feel like living in a society, but that doesn't mean you don't get to, like, forgive people sometimes or try to have a little patience with them. Yeah. Or if you you do that, then Devin's going to think you're an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, it's not, you don't get moral authority for pulling out of society in itself. Right. I feel like comparing what he did to, like, Somebody who decides to live their whole life in service to somebody else being, you know, a teacher and being like, okay, I'm never going to make very much money and it's going to be exhausting mentally and physically, but this is really important to me. Or, you know, I come from the Catholic tradition where you see people who are like, I'm just going to let this big church machine tell me what I need to do, whether it's, you know, going and running a hospital and wiping butts or teaching or digging wells or whatever like he didn't do that and maybe he would have gotten there if he had lived a little longer Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. that would have been good but i don't know i i'm fascinated with his story because i'm fascinated with survival and like you know i loved john krakauer's other book into thin air where it's such this amazing mix of like why would you go to Everest? There's the death zone. Don't go into a thing called the death zone. So you kind of want to. <laughs> yeah, you kind of want to, yeah. I kind of I want to see Everest from, like, yeah. the bottom. I, I'd like to get like, to wow, base look camp. At that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And even then, you'll probably just, like, get edema in your brain and die. Yeah. But also, I love that the wilderness chews you up and spits you out. I kind of like yeah, that it does that. I like I that, that not everything has safety rails and... right. You know, what is that little guy in Mario Kart when you run off the the road and he comes in? He's got a little cloud and a fishing rod. Right. But you know what? Alaska, the fuck doesn't have that guy. He does not have that guy. Turn around. Wrong way. Yeah, many many parts of the Northwest don't. Many parts of the country don't, but I think especially Alaska, Mm -mm. where it's like, Alaska only has to be lucky once. You have to be lucky every time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Daily, I feel like you have to be lucky all the fucking time. Yes. Yeah. And it's the kind of place where it's like, there is no safety net. And that's kind of, I think, why I get a little bit frustrated with Christopher, as I was like, you stepped away from your safety net, and then you went to a situation where you really needed one, and it wasn't there. Yeah. And I don't know if you did that as consciously as you thought you did. I don't think he did that 
consciously at all. And I'm like, everybody who is over 22 has been dumb and 22 at one point. Mm-hmm. I and you was don't deserve dumb. to die for it. You do not deserve to die for it. Absolutely not. But in that final journal entry, in that letter that he left on the outside of the bus, that is, I'm starving. If you see this, help me. I'm, you know, I'll be right back. I've gone to try to get some berries. Please mm-hmm. don't leave me. Like, at the end, I think he realized, I fucked up. I don't have mm-hmm. access to a safety net. Maybe there is some kind of safety net that will appear. And I'm hopeful yes. and young enough to leave a note thinking it's possible. Something will, you know, Providence will provide and I will be saved. And it didn't happen. He and that breaks one. my heart. Yeah, he really wanted one. So He like, understood how important it was, I think, yeah. at the end. And honestly, I don't know if you do something like that with the intent of never telling anybody about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I I don't like him. I think he was a fool, but I also think he was a fool because of his age. And mm-hmm. he was a lot more privileged and sheltered than he wanted to be and was really pushing against those barriers and trying to mm-hmm. find out who he was at his core, not who, who his parents or society or whatever else said he was, which I think are admirable things. I just, I think he was really sloppy and I think he was mm-hmm. really foolish. And those are things that, I can forgive, but I'm still contemptuous of. I think he was massively overconfident. Yeah. And he reminds me of a lot of massively overconfident <laughs> dudes like him. <laughs> yeah. And so it's hard to be entirely yeah. sympathetic to that because yeah. that's the same guy who's like, I'm going to go start my startup and it's going to be, you can get weed from a locker <laughs> and I've invented this concept. <laughs> and you're like, the world existed before you were born, my friend. Right. Like, maybe other people have some insight to contribute. And Mm -hmm. so Christopher's just, like, bopping along. We're going to have to re-record an intro for this called our Into the Wild episode, (laughs) because apparently there's so many fucking opinions about this. But Into the digression. Christopher was just like, no, I'm not going to listen to you about what kind of dangers I'm going into. I know better than you. I know better than you people who have lived here forever. I know better than you, everyone, about how survivable, you know, frontier Alaska is. I have. And that comes across as I know better and I am better. And I'm like, no, you're Mm -hmm. not better than Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's better than Alaska, bitch. No, Alaska beat your ass. Alaska beat your ass. No, you're, I I think you summed that up very beautifully. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's hard to get on board with that confidence that really translates to arrogance. Because, again, yeah, this might be something like, did you hear about the hermit of the woods in Maine? That guy (gasps) who lived for, like, decades? Yes. Robbing camps. Robbing camps. And he felt... Hundreds of times. Yep. People... Can't do that shit in Alaska. No, you can't. No, you sure can't. And people, I thought that was so fascinating in in Maine when they were like, when they realized what was happening, people would put out bags saying like, please don't break into my cabin. That's creepy. But if you're hungry, here's a whole fucking bag of food. And he would never take those because he felt like they had baited him. And so they, you know, those places were watching for him and they were going to catch him or see what he was doing. So he'd just go break into the cabin next door. <laughs> you're not a so- apart from society, dude. You're just no. engaging with society on your asshole terms. On your asshole terms is right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to roll back because we're like, how far in are we on this? We're a long- 22 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to roll back. And introduce the topic of Christopher McCandless, because we were going to talk about food in the Pacific Northwest, and it turns out we both have a lot of opinions about Christopher McCandless, a.k.a. Alexander Supertramp, the subject of John Krakauer's story and eventual book, Into the Wild, and then the film that Sean Penn directed about Mm -hmm. ten years ago. Mm -hmm. So... Christopher McCandless was born in 1968 in California. And he died in 1992 at the age of 24, somewhere in Alaska, off the Stampede Trail, Mm -hmm. because his deal was, Alexander Supertramp's deal was, he marched to the beat of a different drummer, Mm -hmm. and he was very inspired by, like, Thoreau Mm -hmm. and Emerson, 
who I'll just point out, Thoreau, who also was having, like, his mom do his laundry and Amerson's wife cook for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I'm gonna go explore the world. And so he dropped out of school. He wrote a check for, I don't know if that was, like, his tuition money. I was fast-forwarding the movie, to be honest. I didn't think we were gonna do an episode on it. Yeah. But basically, he turned over all his savings to a charity and was like, I'm gonna go out there in the world. It was more fun for him where he was like i get bored if everything's just handed to me so i want to go out there and and live and really push myself to the limits and much like many have done ever since reading jack london stuff he was like alaska i will fuck with alaska (laughs) and as we will discuss alaska is pretty unforgiving (laughs) And so he hitchhikes. He hitchhikes. He hitchhikes. What word is that? It's a good word. One hitchhikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> McCandless hitchhikes from. I can't say it. No, you he can't. Hitchhikes. Nope. Nope. Wow. He thumbs a ride. He thumbs a ride from <laughs> South Dakota up to Fairbanks. And then he gets a ride from an electrician who's like an old school Alaskan who's like. Seriously? You want yeah. me to drop you off out here? You have this little backpack. You yeah. don't have a lot of food. It's like you've never been to Alaska before, yeah. as far as I can tell. What the fuck are you doing? Like, Alaska is a different caliber. Yeah. Right? Alaska, yeah. even like, if you live in the biggest city in Alaska, it's a different experience yeah. than living in a big city other places in the U.S. Yeah. And he's like, are you going to die? Don't. Do you want to go to Anchorage? I'll buy you some new stuff. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'll buy you some equipment and food. Do you want... And finally, he, you know, Chris is just ignoring Jim. And Jim is like, okay, will you at least take these boots yeah. and some sandwiches and some corn chips? And yeah. he's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, Chris, like, you're going to head back toward the highway in a couple days because you're going to get fucking hungry. Right. But so Christopher McCandless... It gets high on Alaska. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. So he hikes and hikes and hikes. He finds this abandoned bus. Yeah. Which I've never been clear on why the bus is there. <laughs> but uh, it had gotten washed. If I remember from the the book, some hunters had, like, brought it out there to leave as, like, a place they could come back to when they were moose hunting. Like, it okay. would give them shelter if they needed. I don't know yeah, how the fuck they got it out there. Nothing. But, yeah, it was better than nothing. Yeah, but it's, like, a hunting area. It's not a living-in area. No. Yeah, and he was like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep going west until I hit the Bering Sea. Oh, my God. (sighs) And he can't do that because you can't just walk through Alaska. It's not a nicely mowed park. (laughs) It's not Central Park. It's not a golf course. Really? Yeah, it doesn't have bridges and stuff. And he was like, okay, I'm just going to hang out in this bus for a while. And so when he got set up, here's what he had. Ten pounds of rice. Mm Mm-hmm. A Remington semi-automatic rifle with 400 rounds, Mm -hmm. a couple books, including one that was about local plant life, and some camping equipment. Mm -hmm. So his plan was, like, I'm going to forage for edible plants, I'm going to hunt. And so he did a little bit of that. He hunted some squirrels, he hunted some birds and Canada geese and stuff, which, good, shoot all of them, they're assholes. (laughs) Canada geese. I don't like any bird that thinks it's better than me. (laughs) Starting shit. So you don't like geese, parrots, or hummingbirds? I think all birds think they're better than me, Yeah, I think you're right. Fuck (laughs) them. But he also, in what I think is the sort of emotional whirlpool of the movie, shoots Mm -hmm. a moose and is very sad about it, but also doesn't know how to fucking preserve it. Right. So it spoils. Right? So, Idiot. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he yeah. spent 113 days in this area, and he lived on the bus for three months, and, like, he kept his little journal and stuff, and then he's like, I'm gonna go back to civilization, and the problem was that when he came across in April, when he came across the Teklanika River, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, okay, I'll hold my backpack over my head. But the thing is, as we could tell you... Mm-hmm. If you live someplace where you get a lot of snowpack, mm-hmm. when it melts, it goes down. And yeah. when it goes down, it goes into the rivers, and the rivers get real big. When you get a lot of snow melt, that's something yeah. you have to anticipate. But Christopher yeah. didn't know that. Oh, and so he couldn't get back across the river safely. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a map. No. 
So the problem was, less than a mile away from where he'd previously crossed, there was actually a little tramway that was hand-operated that could have taken him across, because he didn't have a map with any detail. Yeah. He didn't know that. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm going back to the bus, and he puts this SOS note on the bus that says, attention possible visitors, SOS, I need your help. I am injured, near death, and too weak to hike out. I'm all alone. This is no joke. In the name of God, please remain to save me. I am out collecting berries close by and shall return this evening. Thank you, Chris McCandless. August? Yep. Then no, he makes it 113 days. His last journal entry that he does is day 107 that just says, beautiful blueberries. And then he just marks slashes. Mm. And then in September, a hunter who's like, ooh, I'll shelter in that bus, is like, what smells? Yeah. And finds a lump in a sleeping bag, and the police come, and they find him, and they're like, okay, he starved to death sometime in August. Right. And there's a lot of different opinions about how exactly he starved to death. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have opinions on this? I just, I, no. I know that, uh... I thought I'd read that he'd eaten something that had caused him to, you know, it, it caused him to either throw up or have diarrhea, but basically become extremely dehydrated, which just yeah. totally fucked with him in his already very weakened, emaciated state and really sped up the starvation process. But I don't know if that's accurate, but it sounds good to me, you know? Yeah, it, I think it's realistic. I yeah. think there's a lot of stuff that if you were healthy and you were in Alaska, you could get away with eating some of it, mm-hmm. but not if you're already weak and mm-hmm. isolated. Because mm-hmm. that's Alaska, too, is like, you. that's why we have societies, is because when you start pooping yourself to death, you need somebody to bring you some more right, water. Right, get but, some a Pedialyte and mm-hmm. a Fudge Pop and get that shit in you, dude. yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple theories. One is that he ate some seeds that had this toxin, or they had a mold growing on them that had a toxin, which would have slowed his ability to metabolize stuff down. So basically, no matter how much you eat, you're going to starve. Yeah. So people have argued about that. And then somebody else has said, no, he probably ate some wild potato seeds, which he, there are these like wild potato, well, they're called wild potatoes because we name everything like the same four things, (laughs) but they are, the seeds are poisonous. And if you're well fed and you're on a normal diet, there's no problem. But if you're physically stressed out and you're malnourished, it's not good. Mm. So his field guide, because again, like, Mostly, we didn't have a lot of research on people starving eating these. Yeah. Uh, We didn't say don't eat those. Yeah. So he wrote a journal entry in July, which says, Extremely weak, fault of pot seed. Much trouble just to stand up starving Great Jeopardy. So they think, okay, like potato seed rather than like pot seed. Pot right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. But again, it's the thing where like people are arguing back and forth. Like, is that the problem? Did he eat mushrooms that were the problem? Yeah. Is it just that he, you hit that point where you're eating lean game and that was John Krakauer's original hypothesis yeah. that it was rabbit starvation, a.k.a protein poisoning which is basically you have no fat in your diet you're just eating like lean meat all the time and you start getting diarrhea and low blood pressure and you feel hungry because you're craving fat and you can't get it so you just keep eating and eating and eating using up a bunch of calories metabolizing all these protein when what you need is fat okay (sighs) so a lot of things or simply maybe he didn't do anything wrong yeah. Except going to Alaska without an exit strategy in the first fucking place. Yeah. And he just couldn't catch enough food yeah. to keep his little body alive. Yeah. Any of us who are vegetarian or have vegetarian friends realize, you know, like our vegan friends to get a balanced diet eat a whole fuck. Like your salads are big, my friends. Those are large know, bowls. Yeah. Those are not the side salads that I eat to go with my steak and potatoes. Those That's a lot of food. <laughs> and if you're not yeah. catching, you know, the game for protein so okay you're living Mm -hmm. on berries and leaves and tubers and shit like that you gotta eat a lot yeah or you're living on like little critters like squirrels that don't have enough fat for you to actually get any energy from it go forever it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i'm gonna read a couple quotes about him so this is one from alaskan park ranger peter christian 
because uh, it, as the Wikipedia article says, he's been a polarizing figure. Um, <laughs> while the author and many others have a sympathetic view of the young traveler, others, particularly Alaskans, have expressed negative views about McCandless and those who romanticize his fate. Yeah. So the park ranger says, when you consider McCandless from my perspective, you quickly see that what he did wasn't even particularly daring, just stupid, tragic, and inconsiderate. <laughs> First off, he spent very little time learning to act- how to actually live in the wild. He arrived at the Stampede Trail without even a map of the area. If he'd had a good map, he could have walked out of there, walked out of his predicament. Mm-hmm. Essentially, Chris McCandless committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And then Sherry Simpson, who wrote in the Anchorage Press and saw that tourists had led, you know, the bus is kind of a pilgrimage site now. Yeah. Because not only is it where he was found, but one of the camera film roles that he had has a nice picture of him in front of it where it's a sweet picture. It is. He seems happy. He does. But the tourists had left these notes saying, oh, he's insightful, he's Thoreau-like. And she says, Among my friends and acquaintances, the story of Christopher McCandless makes great after-dinner conversation. Much of the time, I agree with the he-had-a-death-wish camp, because I don't know how else to reconcile what we know of his ordeal. (laughs) Now and then I venture into the what-a-dumb-shit territory. (laughs) (laughs) Tempered by brief alliances with the he-was-just-another-romantic-boy-on-an-all-American-quest partisans. Mostly I'm puzzled by the way he's emerged as a hero. Yeah. So what John Krakauer says is that he's not he's not so much arrogant as he wanted to be the first one to explore a blank spot on the map. That is arrogant, though. Yeah, I know. It he is didn't. arrogant that to be like, arrogant. I'm going to be the first person here. You're like, yeah. yeah, nobody lived in Alaska before you, Chris. No, no one else. No. Yeah. And so what John says, John Krakauer says, is in 1992, there were no more blank spots on the map. Not in Alaska, not anywhere. But Chris, with his idiosyncratic logic, came up with an elegant solution to this dilemma. He simply got rid of the map. In his own mind, if nowhere else, the Terra would thereby remain incognita. And and then you die, I guess. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that uh, woman, I, her name is a, you just said it. And it's a Sherry Simpson. Sherry Simpson. I love it because it's an alliteration. Uh, Sherry mm-hmm. Simpson, if you're listening, marry me. And <laughs> I don't understand how you could not think that arrogance had such a big part to do with it when you realize he is self-naming. Okay, first of all, he gives himself a nickname. And his nickname includes the word super. Alexander Supertramp. He is saying that he is the best at being an itinerant, which obviously is impossible because you've been doing it for uh, three weeks before you shit yourself to death, dude. And yeah. then, you like, it is a beautiful photo of him sitting at that bus, but you wanted to go away from the world, never to be seen again, presumably, but you took a selfie on film, which necessitates society to develop. You, you oh, yeah, no, I think he thought he was going to come back. I don't know. Do you think he did? You think he thought he was going to come back and have, like, these this grand tale to tell? Yeah, I guess. yeah, I think it was just that the river was too full, and then he was okay. like, well, shit. <laughs> okay, I guess that feeds into the arrogance factor more for me. Because my thing with the whole super tramp thing, I don't think he thought he could die. Yeah. And not in the, like, outright psychological delusion sense, but just in the way that a lot of 22-year-olds don't actually think they could die. Right. Right. I think we we all have a different grasp of our actual mortality in the world, and I don't think... I just don't think he saw that. I think he thought it was another big adventure. Mm-hmm. And one thing that does come through in the book and the movie is most of the rest of his travels, he did rely a lot on the kindness of strangers. And he yes. would, you know, pick up a little job here and there. And he would, you know, hang out in somebody's tent for a little while yeah. and share their food or, you know, jump on trains, which you can do because there's trains. Yeah. So, I don't know, it just feels parasitic to me. Mm-hmm. And this is my raging socialist side, but I'm like, you didn't give anything back. You just made everybody else look after you. And you were hoping somebody would be looking after you enough to rescue you from this last thing, and it didn't happen. Yep. Yep. You made somebody else look after you. The uh, park service had to clean up your car that you abandoned, which is basically big deal littering. You, you know, told your whole family to fuck off and that their opinions didn't matter at all, that their concern for this person who used to be their baby just 
cuts off all contact and leaves. You made some poor hunter who just wanted to go out and get a moose and feed his family find your dead ass, and then a whole bunch of search and rescue folks come in and clear you out and treat it as a crime scene and do all this blah, 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 DNA. And that wilderness that you so loved, now you've made it into this bizarre, like, pilgrimage shrine site where a bunch of assholes Mm -hmm. tramp through the woods and come to this bus that you graffitied. Cool. Yeah. Dude. Awesome. You were giving back so much. Yeah. And I don't, everybody's like, oh, he's insightful. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that he had any great insights. I think the insight to be gained from his story is that the world doesn't care about individual humans. Yeah. And is happy to eat us. Is really and happy functionally, to eat us. we're all here for the bacteria that live in our guts. Oh my god, right? I'm glad, <sighs> no, like you said, I'm glad that the world every now and then just smacks you the fuck down. And is like, nope, nope, you're tiny and you're small. It's such, oh god. He's just, he's like the, the online lady bloggers who are, I'm so inspiring and empowering. And basically all they're doing is gazing at their own navels. He does that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think the world does occasionally deliver a smackdown, and we call it the Alaska Howdy, because <laughs> you want to talk about some other people who died in Alaska? I do, but wait a minute, real quick. Can the Alaska yeah. Howdy be the third drink on our Ouija Brats drink list? And all it is is you have to take, like, a shot of neat whiskey and someone punches you. <laughs> That's the whole it's drink. It's actually just Russian roulette. It's basically, yeah. The drink is a gun. <laughs> 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 so sad. So sad. Or some wormwood. It's, yeah. You've got six glasses. One is filled with strychnine. Let me tell you about some other people who died in Alaska. <laughs> Let me tell you about some other people who got the Alaska Howdy. The Alaska Howdy. <laughs> oh, my God. One's going to be the bear man. Oh, fuck yes. Okay. But first, we're going to get to Carl McCunn. Okay. Feels feels like I'm cussing when I say that. It name. does. Yeah. He was a photographer. And I feel worse for him than for for Chris or for Timothy, who we'll get to. Okay. So he was a photographer. He lived in Seattle for a while, and then he actually lived in Anchorage. He moved there in 1970, and he didn't get into trouble until, like, 10 years later. So I'm like, okay, this is not somebody who it was like, how should I start my life in Alaska? On hard mode? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He was a photographer, though. And so one of his things was, he was like, I'm going to get these shots that nobody else has gotten. And so he paid a bush pilot, which is how you get around a lot in Alaska. Yeah. But so he paid this bush pilot to drop him off at this lake. So he had a plan. He was going to photograph wildlife. He was going to go get real rural, real frontier. Okay. He had 500 rolls of film. Wow. 1,400 pounds of provision. Like, <laughs> I've set off on the Oregon Trail game with less provision than that, right? <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah, two rifles and a shotgun. Okay. And here's the thing. He thought he was clear with the pilot that the pilot should come back in August. <gasps> but apparently they were not on the same page about this. Oh, no. Yep. Isn't that the fucking saddest thing? Oh, no. Is he was like, I think I should have used some more foresight arranging my departure. I guess I'm going to find out. Oh, my God. The plane never came back. And by mid-August, he's like, oh, shit, this guy is not coming back. Right. Like, this guy's work is done with me. (laughs) And he's the only one who knows where the fuck I am. Oh, my God. So he starts to make plans. He, like, starts hunting more. Okay. He's, you know, shooting ducks. And he's like, okay, again, keeping a diary, which I guess you do when you're up there alone. And he's like... I really hope somebody notices I'm not back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and somebody, like, sends someone, like my friends. And he had actually sent three maps before he left with his campsite marked to some friends and his dad. But he wasn't clear about, like, and I should be back by August <gasps> 5th. No! Yeah. He had said, you know, don't be concerned if I'm not back by the end of the summer. I might stay later in the season if things go well. No. Oh, my dude, God. No. No, it gets worse. Okay, so a state trooper actually flies over the lake in late August, so a month in. He's like, oh, there's a dude camping here. Yeah. And he sees the guy who's waving a red bag very casually, and then he sees him walk back to his tent, and he's like, huh, okay, you're good. (gasps) Oh! So 
What he writes is, I recall raising my right hand shoulder high and shaking my fist on the plane's second pass. It was a little cheer, like when your team scored a touchdown or something. Turns out that's the signal for all okay, don't wait. I can't believe it. Oh, God. Yeah, and I'm like, how come... Uh, you don't. You gotta do the desert island thing, dude. Where you like write SOS yep. and rocks or whatever. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Help me. Help. I'm not here on purpose. Yeah. How many rocks do you have? You can do SOS. You can do help. You can draw a giant yep. middle finger. Do something. Yeah. Draw in duck bones. Yeah. <sighs> oh no. Yeah. Maybe use those rolls it, of film. Yeah. Use rolls of film. And among the problems, there's a state trooper who actually talked with this guy before he went on his trip, helped to mark the campsite on the map, said, we talked about the fact there was a hunting cabin five miles from his campsite. Nobody ever knows why he didn't go to it. Oh, like, no. could he not carry all his stuff? Did he not remember where it was? Yeah. By November, can you imagine, in, like, early August, you're like, fuck, nobody's coming back. You make it all the way through August, September, yeah. October, November in Alaska. Oh, God. He's got no food. He's trying to set snares for rabbits. Mm -hmm. He's, I think, running at low on bullets, not out, as we'll find out. He's like, I will walk to Fort Yukon. No, I can't do it. I'm too weak. Because, like, yeah, dude, at that point, you're way too weak. You've been doing this for four months. Definitely. And, unfortunately, he uses all his remaining supplies to make a, a warm fire. He writes, Dear God in heaven, please forgive me my weakness and my sins. Please look over my family. And he writes a letter to his father being like, here's what you do with my film. Oh, God. Please give all my personal belongings to my dad, whoever finds me. Take my rifle and shotgun for your trouble. He pins his Alaska driver's license to the note and he shoots himself. Oh, God. Because he doesn't want to die slow. Okay. His friends don't say we should look for him until January. Are you kidding me? Here's why it's important to have social ties. How long do you think, Devin, if, like... Admittedly, you're not, like, a rural Alaskan photographer, but no. if nobody heard from you, how long do you think it would be before people started to go, like, down okay? <laughs> like, assuming that Jason was out of town or something. Assuming that Jason was out of town. Say even I don't have a job. Say that I'm unemployed, mm -hmm. so I don't have people being like, oh, you should have clocked in yesterday. Two days. Mm-hmm. Two, I mean, three days, but I think my parents call me, if I haven't called them every three days, and I think that... I get enough text messages from people who are friends of friends that they mm -hmm. would, after three or four days, someone would be like, the fuck? Why? It, is Devin mad at me? And then you would also say, well, she hasn't texted me either. Yeah. And she hasn't posted on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that's my thought. If, if there was like, say I was on a trip yeah. And so it was reasonable to assume that, like, I wasn't right there, like, at home fixing dinner or whatever. Yeah. I think maybe, yeah, three days. Yeah. Before, certainly, it would take, a, no, you know what, it would take less than that before Matt would be like, what the crap. Right. And, but yeah, by wow. January, the dude was in trouble starting in August. Wow. That's why you always leave a note. <laughs> <laughs> Arrested development is always relevant. <laughs> it's why you always leave a note. But yeah, they, they they found him. And I gotta say, like, that part of his organization left something to be desired. Although, again, you know, it's the 80s. Not everybody's messaging each other all the right. time. It was normal, you know, when he was out there, he wouldn't have been in contact with anybody. He didn't have a bush phone or whatever. He didn't right. have service. But, yeah, I would have been like, if you've not heard from me one way or another by August 15th, I want you to look into it. And then oh, maybe yeah. that will result in a little bit of inconvenience to me because maybe I'll be having a really good time and we'll have to come home anyway. But you know what? That's the cost of living in the world. That is the cost of living in the world. There are definitely times where, like, I've been out partying or at, you know, dancing or whatever out with you guys and mom calls, and I'm like, well, well I don't really want to, like, stop the vibe, but hang on. I'm going to let her know that I'm fine so that if I'm dead tomorrow, she can at least tell the police, like, well, at 11.50, she answered the phone and she was okay. Yeah. Yeah, because we're always reconstructing so, stuff like that. Right? Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I got to say, so he wasn't organized with that, but at the end, he was like, okay, 
I'm going to be warm. I'm going to write a note. Here's a letter yeah. instructing what to do with my film. Here's what to do with my stuff. Here's my driver's license. He lessened that impact as much as possible, which makes me think he's a good guy. And this is the Alaska thing. Like, with Christopher McCandless, it's like, he was tempting Alaska to kill him, right? Like, he he had one gun, so if that gun jams, what are you doing? He didn't have a map. He didn't really tell anybody where he was going. He had barely any food. He didn't have adequate gear. And this guy did everything right, except that one thing... Yep. Making sure people know when you're supposed to be back. <laughs> yep. The very important one thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, and that's just it. You fuck up one time. You gotta be lucky every time. And he survived. Yeah. Like, he was... Let's see. So, August, September, October, November. Mm-hmm. So, he... So, like, let's say 120 days. Yeah. He was in trouble for longer than Christopher McCandless was out there. Oh my god. Oh, my God. And he had been up there. When did he get dropped off? March. So he went from March to August with no problems because he had a plan. He had 1,400 pounds of food, three guns. Right. A map, like a plan, had talked to park rangers, had all this kind of stuff. And then still made it an additional four months. Christopher McCandless didn't make it four months from the day he walked out with some corn chips. (laughs) Sorry, my dude, but yeah. Uh, On my sympathy thing, on my here, if if I have to pick one of you to be the hero. Yeah. It's a guy who was like, well, among other things, I came out here to get these pictures, so please don't, like, open these cans and expose them. Yeah, right. I quite literally died for these, so if you could have them printed and processed at a very reputable place so Mm -hmm. it was not for nothing that'd be radical thank you oh my god okay one more alaska howdy and then yeah alaska howdy it up grizzly are we ever gonna talk about food next episode (laughs) oh i'm so hungry i know okay so timothy william dexter aka timothy treadwell oh tim born 1957 in new york Mm -hmm. A lot of these kiddos are uh, East Coasters, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. And died in 2003. Mm-hmm. He, if you've seen Grizzly Man, you've seen his deal. I love Werner Herzog and his weird documentaries. Yeah. He was a very weird dude. And I leave most of the, like, weird dudeness to, to Werner there because he was the Grizzly Man because... He loved the bears so much. He would get really close to them. He would play with their cubs. Yeah. He would pet them. There's that part where, like, remember, have you seen that movie when the bears oh, yeah. are fighting and one of them yeah. is pooping and he's, like, crying because yeah. it's so beautiful? It's, yeah, he touches the poop and he's like, this was just in Beulah's body or whatever weird-ass name he gave that bear. Yeah. yeah. I'm touching your poop. I'm touching part of you, Beulah. Oh, it's, it's from her. It's like a gift. And you're just like, good God, dude. Yeah. And this guy had like 13 years of people being like, dude, your ass gun, get at. Like, what are you doing? He would go up every summer. And the thing with bears is like, it's kind of like at aquariums where you're like, how do they have sharks in there with all the other fish? It's like, because they're lazy Mm -hmm. and they get fed. Like, bears aren't going to try to take down a six foot loud weird thing. When no. they don't need to, especially no. if he feeds them sometimes. But he bugged the shit out of the park rangers. Yeah. They were like, you're going to get killed. You're going to get a bear killed yeah. because you're going to get killed. You are guiding tourists without a license. Mm-hmm. You keep camping too long. We have a seven-day limit. You don't store <laughs> your food right so the bears God, are getting yeah. it. You're harassing the wildlife. And he had, like... He was so into the bears that he kind of felt like nobody else was going to be allowed to have the bears. Like, if he were a cat lady, he would have been one of those cat ladies that's like, I'm running a rescue. And then they actually have just, like, a hundred cats in unsanitary conditions in their house because they think nobody else can do such a good job with the cats, even though they're doing a terrible job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely him. Yeah. So, on the whole rule of you only have to fuck up once... He decided, and his girlfriend, Amy, Mm -hmm. they were in Alaska, and Amy didn't like bears. She she was not into the whole bear thing, but I guess she liked Timothy. I guess. The things we do for love. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And 
they're hanging out in the park way later in the year than they usually do. So this is yeah. not the summer when it's like tra la, living easy, eating whatever, life is good. Yeah. This was we got to pack on as much fat as possible before winter, and they get really aggressive and they yeah. start spreading out their territories. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And the bears that he knew, the bears that liked him or tolerated him, whatever you want to call it, were already gone. <laughs> yeah. The bears that were like, I don't know what that thing is, were already gone. <laughs> and but I'm not going to kill it because I don't want to get it on my claws. Yeah, it's so loud and it smells different. It's weird. Mm-hmm. The bush pilot, because that's how you get around, yeah. rolled up. Wouldn't it be great if it was the same guy 20 years later? <laughs> oh, my oh God. that poor man. Yeah, what a job. He, he showed up. I can't imagine how you would feel if you were a bush pilot and you find out in, like, February 1982 that the guy who you dropped off in March of last year was waiting for you to come back. Oh, yeah. Or imagine being oh. that park ranger who saw McCoon and was like, oh, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's fine. No, I mean, I, I feel bad when I, you know, f- come home and go to the bathroom after a day at work and forget that I've left Bailey in his kennel for four yeah. more seconds than he's used to. Yeah. Yeah, no, the uh, the guy in October comes yeah. to pick him up, and he's like, yeah. there's no people here, there's just a bear. Uh-huh. So he doesn't land, as far as I know, I can't remember. And then they yeah. go, and he's like, uh-oh, park rangers now. And they find the remains of Amy and Timothy, and yeah. because they have been killed and eaten by at least a bear. Yeah. Probably another bear has also gotten in the mix but okay post mortem yeah 85 years of that national park the first time anybody's been killed by a bear <sighs> because you're supposed to have some common fucking sense around because bears exactly right that's mm-hmm. what is it a fed bear is a dead bear in terms of national parks because if you feed a bear and you habituate yep. them to humans they're gonna hurt somebody and then the rangers will put that bear down Yes, do you remember that story? Sorry, folks, it's going to be sad for a second. Like, it already wasn't, but this one, I'm like, this wasn't a person's own idiocy. This was a kid. This was because they have that huge problem in the Appalachian Trail with people who are like the bears, and the bears, like, trundle out and are like, give me all your hot dogs. And this woman who was like, I'm going to put honey on my kid's hand (gasps) so the bear will lick it off. And the bear just was like, cool, hand popsicle, and bites the kid's hand off. Yeah! Oh, God. I'm so upset. They're not pets. They're not. No wild animal is. Holy God, you shouldn't even do that to squirrels. Like, don't. Don't don't do it to a fox. But that's the thing with, like, Timothy, where there's parts where he's, like, also friends with a fox. And you're like, if you were just the fox man, you'd probably still be alive. You'd probably be okay, dude. It wasn't going to go for the jugular, you know? Mm -hmm. It might nip you. You might get rabies. There's so many things that could happen. But, you know... Magical relationship with a fox is probably not going to be your downfall. Ten pounds of rice? Yeah. That's what did you in. Yeah. So, yeah, and not store their food right. So, I don't know. Maybe he was storing his food completely correctly, but he was also six feet of walking food at a time when bears were trying to get a lot of food into them. So, totally. In an awful twist, because he did so many videos of himself, they actually had a video camera operating yeah. during the attack, but yeah. the lens cap was on. Yeah. So there's a, a audio recording of yeah. them dying of yeah. six minutes of it, which, yeah. as someone on the internet famously said, I didn't want to hear a guy dying from a bear attack until Werner Herzog told me I couldn't. And right? so there's that whole segment in Grizzly Man where, like, he listens to it because it's, like, Timothy's other girlfriend or somebody or his yeah, mother. His, somebody his has ex-girlfriend, it. yeah. Yeah, has the tape for some reason. And he listens to it. And you get to see him listening to it. And then he's like, yeah. you must destroy this. And you're like, Werner. <laughs> you must never let anyone hear this. Yeah. And you're like, well... <sighs> Why didn't you just say, we're not going to play it and move on, instead of, right? like, showing yourself reacting to it and then hyping it up and then not playing right? it? Right, right, right. <sighs> now she's in tears again saying, they told me it was bad. They told me it was bad, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, it's very bad. Werner, God damn it! why didn't you just delete it for her? Oops. Malfunction. Yeah, yeah like, nope. just take it away or, like, give it to the police or something so it can get quietly lost. Right? There's a lot of fake ones online. Because, That's, of course, yeah. the first time I saw that, I'm like, 
But did it make it online? Because, like, everything's yeah, online, right? But is it there? Yep, There's fake here. ones online. I have not listened to the fake ones. I mm-hmm. will say I was interested enough to, if I found one that I thought was legit, push play for a moment. I never found one that was legit, and I'm just glad I didn't. I can't. I don't think I'd. Yeah. I don't need to. I always regret when I'm in a true crime rabbit hole, and I'm like, I'll listen to the 911 call. Fuck. Oh, my God. Right? Don't. No, that's cool. I'll look at the last photos that this one serial killer took of all of his victims. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah. No, nothing good. Yeah, but it's a human thing where you're like, I'm just going to engage with this thing very directly, and then it can't ever hurt me. (laughs) No, it can. It gets in your head. Yeah, and you'll perseverate on it, and it'll pop into your head forever. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, so this is the biggest aggression we ever had. This was supposed to be a food episode, and instead we recorded an hour of people getting the Alaska Howdy, and I couldn't be happier. (laughs) I could not be happier. Holy shit, it's been an hour. (laughs) I'm so satisfied with this episode. It's the digression that became an episode. It is. It is. A digressisode. A digressisode, yeah. Yeah, I can't say it either, but we know what we mean. I'm going to outro us, and then I'm going to go get a cup of tea, and we'll see what we feel like recording. Hey, when sounds the spirit great. moves you. You go, Lord. It, you go where it calls, Liz, just like Alaska. Yeah. Let him work through you and take you to Alaska. People <laughs> who know what they're doing. <laughs> just when you go to Alaska, dude, come correct. It, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't That's give cool. change. I'm not saying don't go to Alaska, because Alaska is outstanding and beautiful, and I can't wait to go. And everybody who's gone has been like, I'm so glad I went. It's outstanding. It's unusual. It is a real jewel of the U.S., and I'm very see America first, but fuck. It's not a theme park. Can I tell you my Alaska story in which my brother and I ziplined over a bear? And then you said it's not a theme park, so I can't. <laughs> we uh, ziplined over a bear. What did the bear think of this? It was not impressed, but it was—I mean, it was nonplussed more than anything. No, uh, my parents very generously took—they uh, like their Alaska cruise. They have an older couple that they've gone on two cruises with, and because uh, that's what you do, your kids are out of the house, so you finally have some spending money. For the I first time in your married life. On Alaskan cruise. <laughs> yeah, right? It's what we're going to do in another 20 years, so get ready for it. Mm. Um, but they liked it so much that they took my brother and I together on one with this same couple. And it was a lot of fun. So we stopped in uh, Ketchikan, Sitka, Juneau, Anchorage, I think. Mm. So we had ports, and then we went to a glacier. And um, But Roberta, one of the lady that's my parents' friends, who's older than my parents, is a badass registered nurse. And even though she's probably like 70, when we were in one of the ports, it was probably Sitka, and they had a zipline thing that you could do for the, you know, 10 hours that you were in port, instead of going and looking at the another jewelry place saying, telling the same tourist shit, you know. My brother and I were like, let's go zipline, and Roberta went, I'm coming too. So, my brother and I did this zipline tour, and over the last one, I mean, it's out in the wilderness. I mean, it's not the wilderness. It's out in a park, and, uh, you know, it's open. And in the last one, there happened to be a bear on the ground, you know, and you're several hundred feet in the air. But, like, my brother went first, and I looked down and see this bear, and I'm like, holy fuck, my brother ziplined over a bear. Oh, they just pushed me. Now I'm ziplining over a bear, too. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, oh my god, do you think the bears like thinks it's like a vending machine? Yeah, I think so. he's like somebody some Carl down the street's playing the claw game. I guess yeah. he's going to actually win this one cuz it didn't drop. <laughs> Weird. Probably. Oh he was god. like, "Look at those gogurts." That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Were you scared of the bear or was it just like, "Yep, Alaska." No, Were you scared by, of the zipline? I was terrified of the zipline. Mortified, just absolutely. The first one that they had you do is probably uh, 60, well, no, not 60 feet long, maybe 40 feet long. I'm bad at judging distances, but I'm trying to remember what they said. But you are 10 feet off the ground. You're nothing off the ground. But they don't, I mean, it's like jumping out of an airplane. They don't give you a chance to say no. Mm. They ask for someone to go first. 
And my brother went first. And because I'm his big sister, I was like, well, I have to go second because I have to protect him. And the moment where I was like, fuck this, I'm not doing it. They're just like, and go. And then <laughs> so you go. And then the next one, you've now ziplined out over a hill. So now <laughs> you're up in a tree and you're, you know, 40 feet off the ground. And then it just got progressively longer lines higher up in the air. Oh, that's upsetting. So scary. So cool. I would totally do it again, but I was definitely glad I was clipped into something. So if I passed out, I wouldn't fall. Oh, my God. And I think the common thread with all of those stories that we covered is, yes, you did get a very unique experience and you got to see things that nobody else saw. And there's a reason why not everybody gets to see those is because you become much more likely to die. Right. Maybe other people have seen that shit. They just also died. Do you ever think of That's that, Dick Wad? Like, I, I was watching, you know, the movie and watching the excited, I don't know, helicopter drone camera whirl around being mm-hmm. like, look, look at Alaska. And I'm like, I'm eating Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm under a blanket. Yep. Cool. <laughs> this electricity is great. Yep. I'm so alive. Yep. So also, fat and okay. happy right now. <laughs> Anyway, that was our digressisode about <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Alaska and how it likes to kill your ass. As I always say, tree's going to get you, mountain's going to get you, river's going to get you, bear's going to get you, Alaska's going to get you. <laughs> Berry's going to get you. Mushroom's going to yep. get you. Alaska's going to get you. Mm. Oh, they got another uh, foot washed up. I posted about it on the social media. Fuck. It's They found it in November of last year, but they just matched it up with a person it belonged to. Oh. And so he died a while earlier. And they were like, oh, this is his foot. Okay. Another person who went to the water on purpose. So, but yeah, okay. I think we're up to about 20 some feet. Mm. Had a running shoe. Glad you're keeping a tally. It had a running shoe supporting the theory mm-hmm. that there's, mm-hmm. you know flotation devices in your nikes my friends yep and they'd found the rest of him more or less but you know the ankles are are weak disarticulation points i guess my ankles are so weak have you ever watched a person trying to walk in heels for the first time you will find out just how wink weak your ankles are how winkle your ankles are we need to break (laughs) this dude winkle ankles winkle ankles (laughs) your winkles want other foot updates and other information on Alaska eating people. I didn't even include the people who disappeared in Alaska, like the marathon guy. I'm going to do a whole episode on his deal. Ah. Oh my god. Is he an ultra marathoner? One of those folks? No. It wasn't even a marathon. It was like a 5k. Oh! 5k gonna get you. 5k gonna get you if you do it in Alaska. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Alright. Anyway. If you want more updates on all kinds of excellent Pacific Northwest weirdness and intensity, here's yep. where you're going to go. You're going to look for the Ouija Broads on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can go to our website for show notes and all kinds of cool links and guides and write-ups, OuijaBroads.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Podbean, on... Where else are we? YouTube. You can subscribe YouTube. on that. Yeah, explore with your various podcatchers that are out there, and you'll probably mm-hmm. find us. And you can get behind-the-scenes stuff, early release episodes sometimes, when I have my shit sufficiently together to edit <laughs> the episode <laughs> that much before. I got a day job, people. If I can do that. And at the very least, what I've been doing lately on the Patreon is introducing people to the Long Beach Spook Trust. Yes. Which is the group that I think is responsible for the death of F. Lewis Clark. Yes. And introducing them to, you know, the man with the hypnotic eyes and the king of clairvoyance and the chewing gum crook and all these excellent criminals. And you get the seance and all kinds of good stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Oh, I was going to give them a job. This week. This will probably... <gasps> yeah. Okay, I gave them a job last week, I remember. What do we want yeah. them to do this week? Last week, we told them to go rate. Yes. On How iTunes. about this week you do a review for us, where, wherever you listen? If it's oh, Facebook is nice, or iTunes, just, like, write a nice sentence Bean. about something you like. Yeah, on Podbean. Those really help us get up the charts and help other people figure out whether they'd like the show or not. Because I mm-hmm. I feel like it's nice to have ratings, but especially with stuff like Amazon, when you're like, okay, this is like four stars. I'm going to look at like the two-star reviews. Do you yeah. ever do that? Oh, where yeah. you're like, 
Because one star is often people being like, this is not a shoe. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, or, you bought a colander. What the hell? Yeah. A dog ate this. And you're like, was that their fault? Yeah. So I go to the two stars or the three stars where they're like, so it had these things which were good, but these things which I did not like. And I'm like, thank yeah. you. That's good to know. So if you're yeah. taking the show, you can be like, here's what I like about the show. Mostly people like that we seem to make each other laugh so hard that we almost pee. <laughs> it's almost. <laughs> I'm keeping mama on that one. <laughs> your winkles. I'm getting old. I just turned 34. Keeping your winkles, mom. I'm keeping uh, my winkles, mom. <laughs> so yeah, think of, send us something nice. Tell us something nice about ourselves. Or honestly, tell us something that you'd like us to do better. We're, the, we're open to that. The I fastest know I'm, I'm snar- snarky, but I am open. Uh, you're so snarky, but it's so it's one of your endearing qualities. I just like the fastest way to my heart is to compliment someone I love. So if you want me to like you, not that you care, but you should because I'm you, you should you want Gavin to like you. I'm all right. Uh, if compliment Liz, and then I will like you by <laughs> default. So that's Uh-oh. two compliments in one. That's by the time you're done, you'll be making money. Oh yeah, easy. Oh, my friends. But most importantly, especially if you're in Alaska, yeah. live weird. Die weird. And stay weird. <laughs> Feels weird to advise people to die weird after all that. Uh, maybe we should. I'm not changing it. We have no. too many things branded. <laughs>